Oh, yes. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's North London Derby delight for Arsenal. We have won. We've beaten the enemy. 2-0 at the Swamp. And here we are, top of the Barclays Premier League. Eight points clear of Manchester City, thanks to their defeat in the Manchester Derby on Saturday. We've had the post-match phone in on Twitter. Thousands of you were listening. Many of you requested the mic and had your say. And I felt the weekend just wouldn't be complete without the late night latte. Got a couple of great guests for you. And a cameo appearance, of course, from somebody who's a very loyal fan of the channel. But before we do that as normal, let's get through some of the greetings. Henrik was first in the house. FK, my man. Arsenal cooking. Starter, main course and dessert. Hashtag snack check. Mine is watching Zinni on the ball. Pure silk. So delicious. Big win and eight points clear. Get my oxygen mask, please. Freddie Peston was next in evening, guys. What a day. I'd be tuning in, but I've got an exam tomorrow. I'd better get to bed. Freddie, good luck in your exams. And hopefully you're watching this on the rerun. And I hope you've smashed your exams. Ooh, Pega, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful... Ah. Christoph Michelle following it up there. And Tony Rosandes, even at home. Absolutely. Everyone wishing Freddie good luck in the exams. Uh, good luck. Uh, my little getaways says hi. Hello to you too, my friend. Uh, has, has the man, 95. Huge weekend coming up when you look at what it means for the big six clubs. Yes, next weekend is going to be big indeed. Lou Weed in the chat. Hi, Lou. Nice to see you back. Oi, oi, you cheeky gooners. Uh, loads more comments coming through. Good evening, friends. Let's go, Gunners. What a day. Uh, snack checks. Loads of snack check requests. Dylan Mystery in the chat. Evening, guys. What a win today. Hearts and eyes emoji. Right, let's bring in some guests. First up, it's Yembele. How are you, Yem? How else do you think of mate? I've had the I've had the high, not the high. I've I've literally been dealing with like twenty kids today, a kids' birthday party, and then literally gunned it home to watch the North London derby. Was cacking it throughout and standing up through most of it, literally just shaking because I couldn't take it. And obviously, phone was on silent. But my God, come that final whistle, I was literally. My wife said, "What the heck is going on?" In, you know, because I was making some weird noises just. As, just at the you end. and me both, mate. I could not sit down for the entire game, just walking, pacing. Richie Dubfeller in the chat. Good evening. Uh, Dylan Mystery. Oh, by the way, snack check. He's got Cadbury's <sighs> Caramel. What have you got tonight? Nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. You know what? You and me both, because I've driven home from Cambridge, right? <laughs> I've got my water, my H2O. It's really important <laughs> to stay hydrated. Driven home from Cambridge after the space. And I, we've, we've basically, my wife and I have inhaled a burger and... Um, now I've just mate, I'm so full it's ridiculous. Mate, my dinner, but you don't want to know what my dinner was. Honestly, it was terrible. Okay, let, let, let so lead not. chicken, lead chicken salad, lead chicken salad. I don't know what's wrong with you, right? Game in the pod, Viennese fingers and a cup are on the go. Absolutely, North London is red. A piece of toast says evening all. Right, let's bring in James. James, welcome to the chat. How are you? I'm tremendous. I'm absolutely fantastic. And like you two, during the game, I was a mess. It was, it was horrible. I was watching with my brother and my dad. And just the whole time, and th those Ramsdale saves are incredible. But I was yeah. just begging, please, can we not force him to make any more of these saves? Because once that goes to 2 1, we all know how it ends up. So I was so glad. I think we, we got our seventh clean sheet away from home this season, which is pretty incredible. Um, and today is, a, today is a good day. And um, next week's a big week. If we get through next week, things are looking very promising. 
Well, we might just start thinking about Man United. But before we do that, let's and, and look at today. Let's take a few more greetings. Tezzy Mai, what a day to be a Guna. Afsar underscore uh, Guna in the house saying hello. And Patrick B, big up. Absolutely. Stephen Foote, FK, we embarrassed the swamp dwellers at the toilet bowl. Absolutely. Colleen. In the chat, yes, boys. Lost my voice today, absolutely screaming. I hope you all enjoyed a warm salad today. <laughs> That's for you, Yembele. Um, loads of more comments. I mean, I've I've lost track of the the, the chat here. Good effing evening, Gooners from Els. Elps. So I hope you enjoyed the game today. I know you're in hospitality. Uh, um, here we have scenic Musqua. Hello, I needed this win. Nico Aldape in the chat. Topspur, what's that? We had a, we had a bit of that, didn't we? Um, Alfie Heard, come on, you gunners, my effing club. I love it. Everyone's in a really good mood. Treacherous Tiger in the house as well, FK. Uh, right, there are, wow, hundreds of you watching live already. Please do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new, of course, and get involved. Join the debate. Um, first up, let's share the slides. We will, of course, have Babs coming on in just a few moments' time. He's got a quarter of an hour to sort of spare. He's making other content. Many of you will be familiar with his work. But uh, as in normal fashion, let's share some of the slides that we have. And first up, James, it was Derby Day weekend. Casting our minds back to yesterday, Manchester City went to Old Trafford and got turned over by United. Arsenal, of course, had Spurs today away, and that was our starting lineup. Before we talk about the lineup, James, what were you expecting from Arsenal today? In terms of the lineup? In terms of performance, were you, were you, were you sort of confident, optimistic? Were you anxious, reserved? Would you have taken a draw before the game? There was lots of chat about that. I don't think I've been this confident going into a North London derby in a long time, but form does go out the window. And Tottenham are Tottenham, the way they play, it doesn't really suit the way we play. <clears throat> they sit back, defend deep, and then play on the counter and um, score one chance and then just put 11 men behind the ball for the rest of the game. Um, I was, I'm just, I, I'm lost for words, honestly. <laughs> I'm just delighted. I'm just delighted. Um, we played as we thought, as I thought we were going to play, um, but we were more decisive than I expected, uh, which is so important because had we not got a bit lucky at the start with Xhaka and then Erdegaard taking his chance, the game could have gone very differently. Oh, you're on mute, Faisal. Faisal. It really could have. Yeah, and we were given our thoughts in the pre-match preview where we were saying, actually, you know, if the officiating goes well for us on the day and as long as we score first, we both thought that we'd win today. I, I went for a 3-1, I think. Did you go for a 2-0 or a 2-1? 2-1. 2-1. Oh, so we were both reasonably sort of confident. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the game's panned out the way it has. Very comfortable first 45 minutes. I have to say, I thought Spurs came out second half as they have done so many times this season and really had us on the ropes. Kulusevski, Kane looks so dangerous every time he gets the ball, just makes shots out of nothing. Aaron Ramsdale, who we'll talk about shortly. But it was, you know, relatively sort of easy when you look back at it. We've, you know, we've been to many North London derbies uh, away over the past few years. And of course, the results will show that we've been beaten and beaten handsomely. Um, I want to bring in Bavs, who's just joined the studio. So, Brav, welcome to the Latte Firm. How are you, man? All good, man. Can't complain. Life's good. Top of the league. Can't complain. Come on, let's have a bit more than that. Bab, you just <laughs> walked in at the moment where we've just asked the chaps, what was your mood going into the North London derby? Uh, were you confident and, and optimistic of a result or were you a bit less reserved and a, maybe a bit more sort of anxious? Um, it changed a lot yesterday uh, after the whole Mudrick stuff happened because, you know, in Arsenal, it's like when negative stuff happens, it kind of compiles. So you kind of expect the worst. 
But prior to the game, I was pretty confident because I don't rate Spurs that highly. I think there's a lot of weaknesses in that team. And, you know, with this current Arsenal first team, I'm confident going into most games. So with the form that Spurs were in and the goals that they were conceding, I always thought that we'd be favourites. Um, so to be fair, I wasn't that surprised to see how we pulled their pants down in the first half because we are that much better than them. You're right. And actually, James, I just saw you nodding there. Obviously, it's been a been a crazy 24 hours for Arsenal because, of course, we were all tuning in at Old Trafford, waiting for Manchester City to eventually win that game. But, of course, United managed to cut, t- turn that round and win. Then, of course, in the evening, as Babs just said, Mikhailo Mudrik, who we've been pursuing very publicly and he's been pursuing us, yeah, it's probably fair to say. Chelsea just go and snap him up and we, of course, withdraw from that race. And then, of course, the pressure going into the North London derby, knowing, knowing that we could be eight points clear. We've just lost out on our main sort of transfer target for the window. There would have been a lot of pressure on the boys going in, but it didn't feel like it when the game kicked off. No, I think it shows also our away record having won. I think we've won eight away games this season, drawn one and lost one. Uh, I think that summarises how much this team has grown mentally. Um, we Last season at times, we went into that three-game period where we lost three games in a row. We went into the Spurs game where we just absolutely crumbled. Um, touch wood, this team doesn't look like that sort of thing's going to happen. We've got Zinchenko and Jesus who have come into the group who have been there and done that. Um, the players like Saka, Erdegaard, they're really growing into their roles now. And I think we do have a lot of players who you could consider world-class. And I think they act on the pitch like it as well. They don't just... Saka a few seasons ago and the last season, he was... A player who was very raw and you could see talent there, but I don't think he had as much confidence in himself. But this season, he goes onto the pitch today and he knows he's the best player on the pitch and he, they couldn't deal with him. They were just kicking him off the park and he still made both goals. Bav, just sticking with you for a sec. I mean, obviously, it was really important that we went into the North London derby and started and started well. You know, started fast, started well. We got the goal, the first goal, Bukayo Saka, uh, you know, sort of running in towards the box. He's obviously tried to cross it with his right foot and here you go, Lloris has just flapped it into its net. What were you thinking of that moment, Bev? Sorry, I was one uh, Celebrating. Uh, actually, I was <laughs> laughing. I'll be, I, I had an evil laugh. It was a very evil laugh at the time. Um, it was a lot of, do you know what? A lot of emotion in that because, you know, it's, I kind of expected us to score at one point because we, we kind of, even though Spurs started off pretty well, we kind of came into it. And once Arsenal settle into their rhythm, you just kind of expect a goal to come, especially in the first 30 minutes. So a bit of expectancy, but um, I won't lie. I was laughing and I was in tears because, you know, I mean, for a keeper that people rate so highly and they've they've said that he's one of the best in the world and he's a World Cup winner, I think he's overrated, right? I think he's very overrated. And I think the longer he stays at Spurs, the better. So, um, but obviously he's very joyous, very happy. Um, and celebrating. And obviously, there was no doubt about the second goal. Saka picking up the ball again on the right-hand side, playing it in field to Erdegaard, who shot early from far out. Again, Bav, uh, 2-0, and completely deserved. Yeah, completely deserved. Um, as I said in that first half, I think we, we bullied Spurs. You know, they couldn't get out. They couldn't make a few... They couldn't uh, make passes. And the press really showcased that how... Arsenal realised they kind of smelt blood. They saw that Spurs playing out of the back weren't convincing. And one of Spurs' biggest things is they can't resolve their problems. They can't find the right man when it comes to playing out of a press. And so they often go back again. And we saw it in a few occasions where Arsenal would press 
Spurs have struggled, they pass back to Larissa and Arsenal would, you know, press even harder. And the first goal was an example of obviously Martinelli pressing. And there was that moment in the I think in the before the first goal where Martinelli pressed Larice into a mistake and then Ketia should have scored. So clearly the Arsenal players identified that this Spurs team can't handle pressure, which not really surprised it's Spurs. They can't handle pressure anyways. Uh and you know, the Arsenal players went in and did the job. We did indeed. Yeah, let's focus on our defensive game. We're going to talk about Ramsdale at length, but I want to talk about the back four. Tottenham are the tallest team in the Premier League or certainly the, in the sort of top two. The way that Gabriel and Saliba dealt with so much today really impressed me. What did you think, Yem? I thought the entire back four was outstanding, actually, but for, for different reasons. You know, you do just highlighted Gabriel and Saliba. I thought Gabriel was outstanding physically in the air and on the ground against Kane. He's been the, you know, everyone's been slating him for the last couple of weeks, but he's actually been better than Saliba, you know, since the World Cup, you know, you know, break. Zinchenko, my word. Look, I love Tierney. Love him to bits. He's a great, but the difference in control of a game when Zinchenko is in the field is, it's, it's, it's a level above. And then Ben White was being Ben White, understated, just absolute, no fault, faultless. He, he didn't put a foot wrong. He was, he was tracking well. He was moving forward well. He was making challenges. It was a complete performance from that defence because the first half was more about us attacking and attacking well, you know, Zinchenko with that control. The second half was us defending well. And one of the key stats, which was amazing, considering Zinchenko's size, he wasn't beaten in the air at all. And we're talking about, to, to your point earlier, the, large, the tallest team in the Premier League, who are physical it's, it, it was great. It's a great mindset change because in the years past, the peppering, you know, ball in, ball in, ball in, we would have crumbled eventually. You know, Mustafi, you would have had a Mustafi backheader away from a goal. But it was calm, reassured, and it was it was it was an excellent defensive performance for me. Loved it. You mentioned Sinchenko. I mean, Gary Neville within the first minute of commentary said, "There you go, Martin. There's an example of the physical battle that." Sinchenko is probably not going to be successful in today because Kulisevsky was up against him in that first aerial challenge, but Sinchenko played really, really well. James, do you want to add anything to that defensive performance? I just I just look at this squad, the lineup you've got on the right, I look at it and it's such a perfectly crafted squad for the way we want to play. Um, we play obviously in possession, we play with the back three. Ben White's perfect for that right centre-back role. He's able to do, he's able to overlap surprisingly well. People don't realise, but his attacking prowess this season has really developed nicely. You've got Saliba in the middle of the back three, who is calm and composed, can control the game. And Gabriel, who I know you've already mentioned him, Yem, but the way he, because he's asked to do a lot more than the other defenders, because Zinchenko is in that centre midfield position, there's often a lot of space on that left, but he covers the ground so well. And every away game, he is there or thereabouts our man of the match and a lot of people talked about replacing him um i i especially if you're looking at purely left center backs i don't think there are many left center backs in the world that you could replace him with that actually make us better um so i'm delighted with our defense and again zinchenko especially is an absolute joy to watch the way he gets the ball in midfield he's just absolutely press resistant he'll be in a situation and you think there's no way he'll make a pass and you'll think oh that's a too risky pass and he, he threads the needle and then all of a sudden we're at a five on five in attack um and that is the difference with him and Tierney and I do love Tierney but um while Sinchenko's fit I don't think he gets into our team 
Mm, Alpha M Wolf Gaming, sorry we have to cover you temporarily. Don't forget Sinchenko on all of his duels today, defensive duels. 4-4-3 in the chat. Let's talk about Zinni. He gives us levels, the way our midfield runs when he inverts. Vivlad showing some love for Gabriel. Gabriel's mental game has really improved. He now knows when to go in, when to hold back. He's really gone up a level. Uh, Astria... Uh, Astro Il Magnifico says Gabriel's front-footed approach to defence was really instrumental in our clean sheet today. And you know what? Just a thing on William Saliba. Um, I've noticed that he was a little bit rusty post World Cup. I thought today he was again imperious, back to his back to his best. And you know, if if, if he's now peak, gonna peak again for the second half of the season, I'm ready for it. Bav, as we move up the field, um, midfield-wise, I thought Thomas Party. We'll talk about Granite. Um, uh, sorry, Martin Odegaard later, but Party and Jacka. Party, I thought, was absolutely colossal today. He was my personal man of the match. I know Ramsdale got all the plaudits and we'll talk about him, but I thought Party, the way he just gets us ticking, he ta- his legs just come out of nowhere and makes tackles. He starts our build-up. He's just so press-resistant. Wonderful performance. What did you think, Bav? Yeah, I think Party is... He's a mix of two players, you know, in terms of having worked under Simeone, he can do the dirty work and break up play. And that's that's perfect for what he's needed for in terms of Odegaard and Jacka pushing forwards. He needs to be good defensively, but his ability to pick passes into the final third, we saw it for both of the goals. I think the ball over the top for Saka to, for the own goal, I mean, that was fantastic to see that pass, to play it, to execute it. And then in terms of the second half, the second goal as well, I mean, I think Gap, Saliba wins his header, he finds Partey and then first time pass into Saka. So I think clearly in terms of Thomas Partey, what he's so important at and where, and then he can't replicate it is the fact that Partey just gets the ball into the final third first time. It's kind of, it's natural, it's, it's, it's you know, it's instant. Whereas in terms of then it's kind of more sideways. And that ball progression is why Arsenal are so dangerous in transition because we can get the ball into the final third and when it's there with the players that we have, we're always going to cause issues. You're quite right. I mean, he was also denied one of the goals of the season when the ball came up. He volleyed it, smashed it against the goal. Uh, the goal's still probably shaking. I mean, if we see Thomas Partey play like this for the rest of the season, Bav, and stay clear of injury, I mean, we should start getting excited, man. I know I know, we've been excited week after week it's after week, but what team. I'm seeing this guy do is just phenomenal. I mean, it's key to keep him fit, right? Of course, of course. And I think with the way Arsenal play you know, if you've noticed in our last couple of away games, Brighton away and Spurs away, once we take the lead, Arteta doesn't push on that much. You know, Arsenal don't go gung ho and press like mad. And I think Arsenal realised that if we have that approach, with the lack of squad depth in certain areas, it can leave certain players exposed and, you know, lead to injuries. Whereas in the second half, having gone 1 0, 2 0 up, Arsenal were able to conserve their energy, sit back, and knowing that we have the variation in our game to sit back and counter attack and it can still work and be effective. And I think that style of football and just, you know, using party in the right way, keeping him fit and available, you know, this is a guy that Atletico never got injured. So he has the ability to stay fit. It's just a matter of using him in the right ways, not exposing him in the wrong manners. And, you know, if he stays fit, then it's exciting. Just sorry, just to interrupt. While while we're on that subject of us having that ability to drop deep and defend in our own half, that is something this season that I think will separate us from Man City because they only really have one style of playing, and this is why in the cups uh, in the Champions League they've struggled so often recently or in the past is because against teams like Real Madrid. They just need to shut up shop, but they don't have that ability to stick 10 men behind the ball and play deep. But Arteta, maybe from him learning through Moyes, we have an excellent deep block. When we shut up shop like that, the Rob Holding protocol, it is really hard to score against us. So um, I think that will come into our advantage going into these tough games where we're on the ropes against Spurs and we say, all right, no, we're just going to shut up shop. 
And then we've got players like Smith Rowe that I was surprised he didn't come on a little bit earlier. Um, but hopefully we bring another attacking addition that can come off the bench in the last 20 and cause the defence problem because our attackers look knackered, to be honest. And um, I think there's a lot of spaces to be exploited. We will talk about our attackers in just a second. Uh, Jesse in the chat says, smash the like if London is red. Do do that. There's just shy of 500 of you watching live right now, which is magnificent. Um, James, you're absolutely right. You know, there was a stat about three weeks ago where Arsenal have only been behind for 59 minutes this season in, a le in the league, which I think is unbelievable. Um, and I, I don't think that's changed because obviously we had a goalless draw against Newcastle, of course, a clean sheet today. Uh, yeah, just to finish the story on the attacking guys, you know, we'll talk about Martin Odegaard, but... Saka, Martinelli, um, you know, yeah, James has just mentioned that all three of them looked exhausted towards the end. I thought Eddie and Ketty put in a tremendous shift. What were your thoughts on the forward three? Well, Saka was, the, you know, the, the player of the first half, really. He was driving so much at Sessignon. Sessignon had no clue what was going on. Try to, you know, there was fouls left, right and centre. Longley was trying to go in, you know, the goal came, you know, fouls, etc. He was doing what he does best, drawing people in. And committing them, you know, it, that's what you know gets us up the pitch more. He was committing players. Longley had no clue either. I thought Enketia had a very good game in the kind of Gabriel Jesus mould. My only, my only negative negative point, and it's just a minor one, is obviously he had chances. He had two very good chances in the game, and he didn't take them. You know, lack of control, etc. But he had a very good performance. Strong, kept the ball moving. Martinelli, it was a bit of an understated performance for me from him. You know, he's capable of better. I've seen better from him. He wasn't really doing what I've seen him do, but tracking back well, still keeping the formation. But I, I think for the last couple of weeks, he has been a little something. He's either very, he's either tired or the World Cup excursion has affected him. I just think that something has, he's not quite the same, but he's, you know, He's not dropped off dramatically that it's affecting the team enough, but I certainly think there's still more to him. Um, but overall, the front three still delivered in terms of you know keeping the Spurs defence busy and honest, making chances, pressing well as well. You know, the first action that showed Lloris was was questionable was you know Martinelli pressed onto Hugo Lloris, forcing him to go you know rush his pass. They got panicked. Then he tried to hook it, you know, and it came broke to Martinelli. He tried to hook it back in, and then Eddie obviously had the shot, which Larry saved. So you can't ask more in terms of pressing. I thought all of them did really well. I, th I think on another day we would have had three or four, given the chances that we had as well. Can I? Sorry to interrupt again. Can I suggest why I think Martinelli's performances have been a bit worse recently? I think it has been since Jesus has been out of the team. Um, because yeah. obviously when Jesus was in the team, he was picking up the ball on the left wing quite often, which was giving Martinelli a lot more space to work on inside. Yeah. Right now, he's kind of getting doubled up and he tries to take it on the outside and he tends to get lost. Um, but Jesus, because of how good he is on the ball, was often bringing two men towards him, which was leaving more space. And Saka's Saka. Saka can take on two men with ease. I don't think that really should be the expectation. Um, Saka's also bet he also benefits from having Erdegaard and White quite close to him at times, so there's often nice interplay with that. Whereas Martinelli um, has Xhaka closer to him, who isn't quite as dynamic an attacker, and Zinchenko, who's inverted and a little bit deeper. So I think he is not benefiting from having a lot less support. Um, so I guess 
I don't know. I think this is probably why we're targeting someone like Mudrick because he is a player who can beat two players at the same time. Um, Martinelli, when he has help from Jesus, that's when he's at his most dangerous. But yeah, you're right. Recently, he has been off the boil a little bit. But as I said, even then, he's still at a you know such a high level that he's still delivering on the pitch. It's just that we have very high expectations for him. Again, that you know since the start of the season, we want more from him. But he's still you know even today he was still pressing really well. He was doing you know he was doing all we expected. I think we just expect a lot of him because we've seen what he can do. It's it's also because he's quite an unorthodox footballer. Um, so yeah. even when he's at his best, he still um, sometimes just dribbles straight into men and stuff. Um, but he'll find the gaps and he'll do something incredible. And you won't think about the times when he's done something poor. But today, because the gaps weren't there, you could only see the times when he was running down a dark alley and people were saying, oh, what's he doing again? What's he doing again? But yeah, he is a super effective player because he's just got bags of energy and will just keep sprinting for all day. And he does the defensive work and he does the pressing work up front. So you can say mm, he's not been the most effective, but I wouldn't take him out for anyone. Casey Taylor in the chat just made a really excellent point. The game was best ref game all season, by the way. Saka got fouled and the fouls were being called. I noticed that. I was a bit anxious about the officiating going into the game. The about only, final... Go on, yeah. Sorry, the only piece on the refereeing I will say is that Romero should have been sent off. The man had literally four tackles, I counted. And after three, you know, you have the three... He, you know, he could have caused, you know, a couple of injuries and he should have been sent off. I thought he was running the tightrope quite hard. That's my only criticism of the refereeing today. 443 says James is spot on. Um, Charlie says Martinelli misses Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, Bav, just to finish off on the individual performances before we look at Ramsdale and Erdegaard in, in, a, in greater detail, Eddie Nketiah uh, put in a real shift today, huffing and puffing, sort of 80th minute, really sort of run out of legs, had three really good chances, two in the second half, which were really well saved in the first one with that left foot where he was almost sort of two, three yards out in the first half. Is it unreasonable to expect him to get on the score sheet, Bav, or is that is that me just nitpicking? I mean, no, he should have scored goals. Um, he had some very good chances. But I think the positive is he's getting into the opportunities. Um, and to be fair, his hold-up play was immaculate. He had um, Eric Dyer spinning like a fidget spinner. Um, and, you know, to be, to be honest, you know, as they say, your defence is in trouble when Nket is in the room because he really causes issues. He causes chaos. Um, and in that final third, he's very sharp. And I think he's just a few little goals away from real confidence. And once he gets those more goals, I think he'll become even more decisive. And, you know, that ball striking is certainly there. And when a striker's got ball striking, he'll score goals. He gets into the right positions. He's got fantastic movement. And in terms of hold-up play, as I said, he bullies defenders, uh, no matter how strong you are, how tall you are. So, listen, we in terms of Jesus and, and Martinelli, I agree, we, we missed that combination. But in terms of that goal threat down the middle and that focal point, the outlet, is doing a fantastic job. And... And to be honest, he tracked back as well. He did the hard work as well. You know, he did, as I said at the start, he had a very Jesus-like a performance. He yeah. still tracked back hard, made himself awkward for the defenders. He was there every, you know, the ball up, you know, when Ramsdale was clearing up, he was still there making awkward. He didn't win the headers necessarily every time, but he was putting the shift in. He wasn't shirking it. So I think, you know, didn't get a goal, but as I said, he put in a, sh a Gabriel Jesus-like performance you know, today, which is the first time I've seen it really in, in terms of that true physical approach to the game, which was great. I thought it was, it was a great performance from him in that respect. 
Flip Doc in the chat says, we've got to remember how young Eddie is. Still got time to improve. Rydog coming back at me saying, nitpicking. Haaland isn't perfect in those situations either. I love the way he was attacking the set pieces too. Just on Erling Haaland, um, I saw a, a tweet from a Manchester City fan on Twitter yesterday saying, 28 goals in 19 games. Thanks for the memories, Erling, but it's time to go. That made me laugh. Uh, Lou in the chat, Bav uh, says, great jacket or great top. Uh, yeah, Bav is a fashionista. Gets away with anything these days, that boy. Uh, right, let's move on through the slides. Next slide up, it is, of course, Aaron Ramsdale, who I thought had a fantastic game. Now, chaps, we will talk about the post-match shenanigans uh, separately because I think his performance today warrants discussion. Um, you know, if we remind, if we rewind, sorry, a couple of years ago when we signed this guy for 32 million pounds, background Sheffield United, Bournemouth, etc., etc., people just couldn't believe it. Yeah, neither could I. You know, we had John Harrison, our goalkeeping expert, come on and tell us about certain traits of his game, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But this guy has matured into, you know, unrivaled Arsenal number one, and today that's worthy of a title winning performance. Uh, James, starting with you. Aaron Ramsdale, talk to me about oh, him today. I, I've dropped John Harrison a DM. I've asked him if he could um, do a little tweet on Ramsdale's performance today because I thought he was incredible. And I think that 2.141 XG saved, I think John might even find that even higher because, for example, some of the chances he was saving because of his proactivity, the way he was coming out early made a chance smaller than it was. So there was this chance where Kane had, where he turned on his right foot and, shot into Ramsdale's top right corner um, and Ramsdale was about five feet out of his goal and managed to get it before it had reached the corner but I think had he been on the line like a Lloris or a De Gea would have been then I think you'd have seen that and said oh that's an unstoppable shot but because he was proactive he made it easier than it was um, and I think a big thing that was cited when we signed him was his mentality and it's not just his mentality laughing at people shouting at players on the floor it's him being alert and switched on for the whole 90 minutes. Um, and a lot of keepers, it's very hard to quantify that. Alisson is absolutely incredible at this, where you won't touch the ball for 50 minutes and then you'll make an absolutely world-class save. Uh, and that's what he did in the first half against Son, um, which would have been, we would have gone into halftime at 2-1 and it would have been a very different game. But I, I thought it was absolutely incredible today. There was another save which he made with his foot against Sessegnon, which I thought was world-class, just the athleticism to even get his body in that shape. Um, and he's also a baby in goalkeeper years. I think he's the maybe third or fourth youngest keeper in the league um, and definitely the youngest at a big six club. So, yeah, we've we've got a player here for potentially the next 10 years and he's only going to get better. Matthew McCarthy in the chat says, 10 out of 10, monstrous performance from Ramsdale today. Uh, Christoph Michel was asking, when does Ramsdale take over as England's number one? In my head, he certainly is. Uh, Arctic Fox talking about Bav, really cool stream. Been watching Bav's a lot. you got a subscriber and like from me, sir. Thank you very much, Arctic Fox. Bav, let's come to you about Aaron Ramsdale. Lots of outfield players always get the credit. Today, worthy man of the match on Sky Sports. 100%. And I think... You know, I love the character sometimes more than the player. I love, you know, seeing him after the game and the, the kiss and the badge. And, you know, I love that. And it's, it's that type of character that I think the club has lacked for so many years. We've had robots on the pitch. And now this is why the fans feel so connected to the, to the players, because they're human. You can see it. And they're emotional. And, you know, in terms of Ramsdale, on the pitch, the saves were incredible. And, you know, I just, there was a sense that no one, the Spurs was, were not going to score today because of how good Ramsdale was. And every time Spurs got into a dangerous scenario... 
I just had confidence my keeper was going to make a save. And I think that type of aura is something that he's building. And, you know, it's not going to come overnight. And as James said, he is baby in terms of a goalkeeper. So the fact that I've seen people cap his potential like they did with Arsenal last season, it's stupid because a lot of keepers aren't even regular starters until they're 26, 27, 28. So the, the potential really is scary. It really is. I mean, it, when we had John Harrison on the first breakdown on this channel a couple of years ago where he gave like a full scouting report of Ramsdale, he said there were two areas of potential weakness for Aaron Ramsdale. One was handling and coming for crosses. Uh, and being having the you know the the sort of um, control and the command, not the, not the you know the, the sort of courage because we know that he's a very brave goalkeeper, but having that clean connection, that clean collection uh, when the ball comes into the box. And secondly, he'd always or he had a habit of parrying the ball. So when a shot is faced, he'd, he'd parry the ball into a dangerous area. Today, John Harrison tweeted me after the game saying, "Did you see that?" He's making clean claims in the air and he's parrying the ball to safety. Out for throws, out for corners. And the guy is just improving. I mean, seven saves, four or five of those guys, you know, saves today, guys, was just absolutely brilliant. Spreading himself really well, closing the attacker as quickly as, as the ball kind of comes through. Fabulous, fabulous performance. Yeah, it must be calming for a defender and a team when you've got a goalkeeper that you can rely on. And that's been missing for some time, I would say, over the years at Arsenal. Oh, absolutely. Today was one of those days where you you want the confidence from every player, particularly your goalkeeper, because that radiates out towards your defence. And with such a young defence as well, you want your goalkeeper to, you want to be absolutely certain your goalkeeper is handling it correctly because you saw it at the other end. Lloris was instilling, you know, un uncertainty in his defence. They didn't know what to do, so they played it safe. Whereas Ramsdale was, you know, not only was he saving well, but he was also passing well as well. You know, his ball's out, Allow easing the pressure on the on the defense, you know, with knowing when to play it long, when to play it short, when to you know go for the long ball to to the wingers. Really impressive performance in in all aspects. But as you said, Faisal, the way he cleanly came for those catches is what's more impressive because when you're under pressure, balls flying in. Because Spurs in the end resorted to the age old thing of crossing in, crossing in, crossing in. And all you want is your keeper just to come out, grab it with two hands, and just fall on it and he did that perfectly and I love that he also waited for a few seconds just to give that extra you know give the defense a bit more time to move out calm them everyone down loved it it is it's it's the you know the evolution of Aaron Ramsdale to your point where he's he's involved from this you know good goalkeeper mm. great feet etc but he's making tweaks to his game where he's learning to be a true big game goalkeeper in a big six team I need to do this, this, and this. The punch, you said, you know, the punch out to, to safety. Clean catches. You know, knowing when to kick the ball long and when to pass it short to relieve pressure. All of these things are going to make him, you know, as he gets older, an even more valuable commodity. We cannot let him go. His personality as well is massive. You know, you want those leaders. He will, be, he is, he's already a leader in his personality, but I think he'll grow even more. So, uh, you know, it, it was act to me, it was a defining performance actually for him. I know he's had a few good performances, but defining overall in the game, especially that he affected the game. You know, you know what? Sorry, to on, James. You, know, you know what performance we can actually compare this to? Because at the end of last season, when we played Newcastle, he was really off his game in terms of 
every time he got the ball, he was hoofing it and there was no composure and it radiated throughout the whole team. And in that game, we lacked to play like Zinchenko as well because there was a period around 45 to 65 today where we were really under the cosh. But then players like Zinchenko and Ramsdale today as well got their foot on the ball, made the right pass, didn't rush it, didn't try and hoof it all the way, trusted their technical ability and we rode the wave of Tottenham's press and or Tottenham's pressure, sorry, and we, for the last 20 minutes of the game, we were pretty comfortable. We we got past that period. We dug our heels in. And uh, as I say, we are the better team. Mentally, we need to be stronger in those situations and trust that we're the better team and we'll get through it. Lots of love in the chat about Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, so let's just go through a couple of those. Christopher Beale saying, just love that he's our shithouse. Uh, Mikey B400 saying he's taking more responsibility. Absolutely. Don one saying Ramsdale is class, class mentality. Um, Asqueef says all the banter of last season, but with the added maturity, class goalkeeper. Rydog appreciating the uh, flying punch. That was quite a punch. That two-handed flying punch was old school. Love that. And Leeds Gunner in the chat saying, Ramsdale, this generation, Seaman and Maddie ends rolled into one. Look, I mean, I really appreciate the um, the comments on Ramsdale. I think what we are seeing is the evolution, as Yemin says, before our eyes. He was a young goalkeeper with experience at a much lower level. He's coming as a hungry goalkeeper, trying to fight to be the number one at, at, at such a big club like Arsenal. And he's taken it. He's grabbed it with two hands, excuse the pun, and he's really made the most of it. So Aaron Ramsdale, kudos to you, my friend. And kudos to Bumpy Johnson in the chat. Greetings from Barbados. I only just found you lot. I'm liking, I'm linking anything to do with Arsenal. Thank you so much, Bumpy Johnson. Enjoy Barbados, my friend. Uh, right, let's move on through the slides. Bav, hopefully you've got uh, adequate time for us. Do let me know in the private private chat uh, as and when you need to go but as we move on it's captain Erdegaard first up James this left chart is courtesy of Premier League.com that is the attacking threat chart uh, over the season we've seen a trend and a pattern in these because we have seen Arsenal have been dominating controlling games and look at that first half look at the attacking threat chart on that right hand side the two goals as you can see that was complete and utter domination at the lane mm-hmm uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. You can see the about 45 to 55 minute period. And then after that, we put our foot down and said, right, we're going to control the game again. Because they did. And it, they were always going to come out of the second half, um, all guns blazing. So it was going to take an exerted effort from us to get through that. And as I say, we did. And Erdegaard is another player who I think has developed in terms of that. When the game is getting to that way, he'll drop deeper he'll get the ball and he'll start linking up with players like Saka rather than trying to get it in the final third, being pressing too high. As a captain, he's mature enough to say, right, I'm going to drop deep, help us defend um, and then use my technical ability to get the ball out. And then there are there are moments where we can break through Tottenham and because we're on the cosh, we're then attacking against a very exposed defence. And I do think there were opportunities in the second half where we could have taken advantage of that but didn't quite. Also, I don't know if you know, but I'm pretty sure that photo on the right is edited, is it not? Do you know what? I'm pretty sure it probably is, but I just want it, it to be so true. It, yeah, it, might, it must be. No, Go on. It's the Henri, um, <laughs> it's the Henri background and they've edited Erdogan into it. I, I saw it and I thought, that looks so familiar. No, they've edited it. <laughs> Sorry, it's a version bubble. No, mate, I love it nonetheless. Uh, Bav, your thoughts on Martin Erdogan because... Last year, 
you know, he scored, what was it, six goals and, and got five, six assists or whatever it is. And already we're not even halfway through the league campaign and he's, he's managed to surpass that. But what a performance today and what a second goal. I think he answered a lot of critics um, away from home, you know, a big game. Does he turn up or he score a goal, bang, into the bottom corner? And, you know, it just in terms of the rest of the performance, the commanding on the ball, winning his duels, the dribbling, the skills. What I love so much about Odegaard is he's an entertainer. He wants to entertain the fans. He wants to do little skills and flicks to make fans want to watch the game. And I think what we are seeing from Odegaard now is him being decisive in the final third. And I think him understanding the players around him, the runs they make, and then finding those runs as well. And I think the fact that he's still 24, I want to say 24, and signing for £30 million pounds when uh, Madison was available for 70 I mean, it just goes to show that in terms of Arsenal fans that weren't, were against signing him, you know, that shiny new toy syndrome that Arsenal fans have doesn't always work in our favour. And in this occasion, thank God Mikel Arteta signed Martin Odegaard because he's a superstar. He is indeed. And uh, Bav, listen, I know you've got to go. So thanks so much for joining tonight. If anybody wants to follow Bav, his Twitter handle is, of course, at Bavs. That's with two S's, one four. And he's, of course, got his own incredible gargantuan YouTube channel. Bav, thanks for joining us. Hope you have a um, a good rest of the January. Are you looking forward to United next week? Do you think we'll get the win? Yes, looking forward to it. It's three points in the bag. Yes, sir. Oh, love that. Love that. Thanks so much, Bav. All the best, man. We no will see man. you care, very, lads. very soon. Thank Take you. Yeah, I just want to continue with this attacking threat chart. James said a few moments ago that the first 15 minutes of that second half, as you can see, we knew that Tottenham were going to come at us. We knew that they were going to raise a tempo and chuck balls into the box, which they did. I thought Kulisevsky looked a real big threat. But even then, once we kind of saw that first 15, 20 minutes out and sort of rode the waves, as it were, you look towards the last sort of 25 minutes of that game. Again, we're in complete control, Yem. Does that surprise you? Does it impress you? doesn't surprise me at the moment. I mean, I, I looked at this Tottenham team. It is so bang average. It can't part. There's no plan. It's just simply passing, you know, passing sideways, passing back because they have no, there's no ability moving forward apart from Kulisevsky. Kulisevsky and Kane are the only players. Even Son was, I, I didn't even see Son for most of the game. I think he had one shot in, against Ramsdale. He's, he was anonymous. It really is bland football. Of course they got better. They had to get, you know, Conte usually gets into them at half time. But again, what we I think what we did really well was just see what see what they can offer. Are they offering anything different? Are they really stressing our defense? If not, then we'll ease ourselves back in, get get our rhythm going again. You know, they had a few crosses, we dealt with them well, but were they creating anything meaningful? Not really. I, I don't think it was you know, anything that was troubling us necessarily. I thought we we had a measure of control that was there throughout the game. What I think got to us in the end was just a bit of tiredness. You know, is it, again, we, we've had this squad now for a number of games. Players have been playing a lot of games. A lot of them play the Oxford game as well. So tiredness got into it. But even then, I thought, you know, for example, bringing on, bringing on Tierney for the second half, you know, for Martinelli was actually a really good move. You get that defensive solidity, but you give that still with that attacking threat because Tottenham had to change their tactics. And I thought the way that, again, Conte is a good manager, but I think the it, it I think he's got a very fixed way of approaching a problem. There's no real nous in how he approaches, you know, a, a, a situation. He will throw as many attacking players on. They went to what was it four one five at the end. Wow. Big, 
big change there. No, no, still no passing lanes. It was just throw more attackers, bring on Brian Hill. Jeez, wow, that really did change the game. It was just, it, again, I thought we were very measured and controlled, and I thought we 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 managed the situations really well as they came up. I thought it was that that's the thing that most impressed me about the maturity of this team. You know, that's that's the thing about Spurs, though, which is why. Well, even whilst I was so nervous at the time, obviously it's natural, but I wasn't, I wasn't too worried because, especially when they took Kulusevski off, I thought, right, done, legs up, because they don't have anyone who can create. Kane is their only player who can create. He and had he, nothing. Did, was he? he was he, he even the game? He, he wasn't. He, chances. There was one moment in the first half, I think, where Kane got the ball at left back, and I'm thinking, well, well what are you bothering doing there? Because he tried to clear the ball, and no one was there. And then we were just encroaching, encroaching, encroaching on them. And yeah, but, the... it's, but it's actually the nah, weirdest Kane, thing. Kane, Kane looked more dangerous than that, guys. He had a couple of shots on goal. He created the Sessing no, Young chance where. The point, but the point is, but, who but that's what Kane does. Kane. He's so good as an outlet. You know who he's going to cause trouble. But that's the problem. Kane. But isn't that the problem? But that's the problem, isn't it? That Kane is the outlet, whereas Kane should be the one on the end of the chances rather than the outlet. And even then, where was. You know, apart from Kulusevski, Son was anonymous. I didn't. He had one chance, I think, from a cane ball, wasn't it? I, I, that, that's the thing. It is a, it's, a, it's a very basic way of playing, and it it gets found out, and it got found out today, didn't it? I thought it. I thought it was just very rudimentary how they approached no, the game. Well, I, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think. I think. Spurs obviously just aren't as strong as Arsenal, and they've struggled this season to get going in the first half. I think Arsenal are purring simmering like almost reaching boiling point in terms of the way we approach games our patience our build-up the fact that we persevere and just keep knocking on that door until we bash it down today we started well got the the, the fortunate sort of first goal no doubts about the second goal party obviously smashing the bar game should have been and could have been and was actually to be fair over by half time spurs just had no response and i think antonio conte to his credit despite all the stuff that he said pre-game in the match of the day post-match he did say that you know arsenal deserve to be top they're in the title race with man city you know they're they're one of the two best teams in the country and there was no dig at the board it wasn't like a, you know and that's what happens when you give a young manager faith and give money and blah 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 it was just a, a straightforward compliment to the team um but you've got to look at guys like this like Erdegaard, who is now dictating the game taking games by the scruff of the neck you know, dictating our tempo, getting things going. His work rate is phenomenal and he's just stepping up as a captain. It's just remarkable. He keeps arriving in the box with conviction and at the right time and he keeps taking his chances. He's shooting more from distance. I think there was a chat from Mikey B400 in the chat saying Ramsdale's been telling him to shoot more and more often in training because obviously he probably faces him on a daily basis. But the sky is the limit for this boy. And I guess just to take a couple of comments from 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 the chat, um, there's been loads of comments about him. I've already missed hundreds, I'm sure. Em Ra, the best central attacking midfielder this season. Flip Doc saying, Captain Fantastic. Simon Marie. Ah, Martin Erdegaard. Hey, I'm cool. Everything is cool. I'm not too excited. I'm cool. I screamed when Erdegaard scored. It felt like we won the league. Halfway, I know. Uh, Arsqueef says, Player of the Year locked. Absolutely. Um, James, I know you want to come in. Oh, Noir's in the chat. Noir's late night latte. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, Kenny AFC, don't call him Erdegaard. Call him Real Madrid's gift. Uh, Matt Dyke says, The best Norway in the league wow that's that's uh that's some shout arctic fox my lovely fellow norwegian captaining the way for our club the arsenal couldn't be more proud absolutely james you want to say anything else on martin Odegaard before we move on well i think i think to say he's the best attacking midfield in the league is quite an understatement i think he's been probably top three players in the league this season quite comfortably 
Um, if it wasn't for that big Norwegian up front for Man City, I think he would be the best player in the league this season. Um, two other points I wanted to touch on quickly before we move on. What I love this season is how we have tacticians on the pitch. So in the past, we've always had problems that needed solving, but it's looked like Arteta's had to spoon feed them. We've always waited for the water breaks or half time for these problems to be solved. But now we have Zinchenko, Erdegaard, Xhaka, who are all very intelligent footballers who you can trust on the pitch. Okay, there's a problem. Spurs are changing this. How are we going to deal with it? And you can kind of sometimes see it in Arteta's body language because he doesn't necessarily spoon feed them. He will just say, plan B, plan B, and they can act it out on the pitch, which has made a massive difference. And the other thing on Arteta, one of his biggest weaknesses when he first joined us was his in-game management, which I think now is one of his strengths. I think this season you haven't heard, you probably won't have heard anyone say he's made a bad substitution this season. Uh, maybe in the United game when he brought on Fabio Vieira, our midfield was a little bit exposed. But um, considering that's the only game people would have any qualms about, says a lot about how well he's managed games and how well we've been able to see games out. As you say, we've been losing for 59 games, 59 minutes this season. Shul in the chat says, Erdegaard reaching KDB levels with the addition of goals. Look, I want him to maintain that trajectory. Uh, Emra, more than 700. In fact, almost 800 people watching this live right now, almost midnight in the UK with work tomorrow morning. Love this fan base. Um, Augustine says, please, FK, have a mention for Ben White. Just very quickly on Ben White. There's a picture going around of him doing that to the uh, to the Spurs fans. Um, James, you've obviously seen it. Tell us about it. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember actually which point in the game that was. Um but yeah, I, I was looking I, at the end of the game, especially after games like this, I love to just go on Getty Images, have a little browse of Stuart's photos or whoever's taking the photos. And I found one of White just doing this to the Spurs fans, a bit like Walcott when he was in the yep. uh, stretcher many years ago. Um, but yeah, it just sums him up. He is just the, the most cool guy on the pitch. And um, he there, he really has no weakness. He's an incredible footballer and I still don't think people realise quite how good he is um, because people see him as a centre-back who plays right-back. Um, but he's also probably, if not for Trippier, been the best right-back this season and should be in the team of the season somewhere. Yeah, you're quite right. Just before we move on, uh, I've missed a couple of super chats and one was from Adrian S., just shouting, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Absolutely worthy of a worthy of a mention. It was probably during our Eddie Inketia chat. My apologies for missing that. And FTL Guna Craig. Hell of a game today from the boys. London is red. Eight points clear. Sending love from the Fort Lauderdale Gooners. Love right back at you, Craig. Thank you so much for your kind donations to the channel. It really is greatly appreciated. Right, let's move through the slide deck. What have we got next? We have the post-match shenanigans. Yeah. Um, after the game, we saw Mikel Arteta uh, running towards the players to save uh, Granit Xhaka in particular. But after Aaron Ramsdale had been attacked, not only by Richarlison, but also by a Spurs fan. Um, presumably you watched it all. Tell me what you were thinking as it all unfolded, Jim. It was a bit of a melee towards the end and you're just trying to dissect what happened. But on the fan that kicked out at Ramsdale, there is no place for that. Look, every every... You know, some shithousery went on from Ramsdale, kissing the badge, etc. But there are levels to which, you know, you how far you take it. And the fan who entered, you know, effectively entered the pitch and kicked out at Ramsdale, there is no place for that. He should be getting a ban. He will be getting a ban. I'm pretty sure of it. And 
he'll learn his lesson in the harshest way possible. I think Arteta running towards Xhaka to protect him is probably not, is probably a very good move because look, we are on how many FA charges right now? FA charge meter, what <laughs> three or so? In it? you know, it's a special discount later on. You know, we get you know third one free. But you know, we, we there is a point at which we you know, despite maybe our innocence in this in the matters etc., that the FA do look at us and say, look, we're going to make an example out of you, and we're going to probably dock you some points or something like that. I know it's been forty thousand for the two incidents, but we got to tread a bit more carefully. I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate, but Arteta actually was. I thought it was a good move just to say, look, go and celebrate, go and move towards the fans. Don't antagonise, because he knew what was going to happen, and we would be... The FA are literally on our case. I've seen now 10, char- 10 different variations of players squaring up to the referee. Are any of them going to get any FA charge? No. Only Arsenal. It is ridiculous. New Tottenham today, even, squared up to the referee three times. No FA charge, I guarantee you. It, we have to be more careful, because we are under the, the microscope now. We're going to have to tread carefully and I think you know just we've won the game the job's done they've been rubbish let's move on go and celebrate with the fans it, that's what we that's what we should have done and we did I, I thought Arteta was you know great at managing that situation towards the end James when Ramsdale does all the pointing to his badge and he talked about it in his post-match interview with Sky Sports to be fair that he was giving it to a group of fans who were giving it to him all game and and actually he's done it throughout his career as we know we've seen clips here and there and he just thought it was in in, in sort of good spirit but when he's doing that and then Richarlison comes over and starts sort of waving the finger and then puts his hand in his face do you think Ramsdale almost deserves that treatment like would would we want that to happen to an opposition player at the Emirates for example no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want an opposition player to be kicked at the Emirates. I think um, that fan can absolutely enjoy their lifetime ban from the stadium for doing something stupid. Um, if you're going to give it to a player like that, Ramsdale was getting abuse from the Spurs fans all game, so he has every right to go, this is my club, we won, unlucky, enjoy your trip home and we'll see you, see you in six months. Um, I think there's absolutely no reason why he can't do that, given what will have been said from behind the goal. Uh, Richarlison was pathetic and I think is just a pathetic player. Um, He always gives it himself. And now, apparently, when Ramsdale does the same, it's not allowed. I'm all for that. Um, And I think... I guarantee guarantee you tomorrow, James, media and the publications will highlight Ramsdale and they'll highlight us. Not a mention of a word about Richarlison, who I thought was pathetic actually through the game. Yeah. Twice, mm-hmm. he, you know, with Tommy Asu. Do you remember Tommy Asu was trying to just say, "Look, they're taking the throw, move him off," and he slapped him, didn't he? Almost. Yeah. And, it, yeah, yeah. and I thought that was ridiculous. And then his behaviour during that incident. What? What's his? Mm-hmm. Why is he getting involved? What's his? You know, it, is he some kind of Spurs ledger or anything like that? That he's already developed some kind of I'm the ambassador for the club. I find it. I find his attitude generally quite. He's a spiky character. We already knew that, but there's no point in you know getting involved with someone that pathetic. No, absolutely not. And also the Jack going to the Jack thing. I thought it was hilarious. I actually think as much as people, everyone gets panicky and alarm bells when Jack starts acting like this. I think he was in full control. I think he just wanted to go over and make a point. But um, in the last few years, maybe the last year or so, I think he's learned to control his red mist. And um, 
He will get involved in the scuffles, but he knows where the line should be drawn. You saw it in the World Cup as well. He did it with the Serbian team. Um, He's also started using it to his advantage where he'll get involved in these scuffles to time waste. And he knows that people will absolutely bite and try and wind him up. But he knows he's in control and he knows how he's minutes. Well, didn't he have a bit of an RG with um, Conte on the on, on the touchline yeah, as well? Yeah, that's where that, that's where it was got he was literally those two are literally shouting at each other. Hilarious. It was hilarious. Loved it. You know, Conte, you'd think could, you know, should raise himself above that, but no, he couldn't he couldn't hack it. Couldn't hack it indeed. I mean, look, you don't like seeing this stuff in a game of football. And obviously for a for a fan to come down the steps, climb over the advertising board, and then kick a player is mental. And Bakary Lissanya in the chat just said he kicked out the wrong goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, you know, they've got to throw the book at the guy. Um, you know, it's all clear, it's clear for everybody that, you know, going onto the, or encroaching onto the pitch is a criminal offence. And, you know, that guy's going to be feeling very sorry for himself tomorrow morning. Um, but I think the celebrations at the end were wonderful, you know, and Arteta did the right thing. He dragged the players away and they were all dragging, you know, pulling Xhaka back and Ramsdale kept looking around as if there was more trouble. But in the end, the celebrations were fantastic and they were reminiscent of a certain year that we went to the lane when Henri had his white underlay and Gabrielle had his on and I was... Caught, just caught in a moment of nostalgia. Um, do you think we were over-celebrating, James? I think Gary Neville, to his credit, said on Sky Sports that if you can't celebrate at the ground of your enemy when you've won a game the way that you have when you're top of the league, the way that we are, the, you may as well just go home. James, what no, are your thoughts? No, Rich, Richard Keyes can say what he wants. I haven't seen what he said about this game. I think he said something negative about Arsenal, of course. I didn't read the tweet. Um as you say, we, we've just beaten our rivals at their place for the first time in since 2014, I think it was. We beat them at Wembley, I right. think, a few years ago. But at their place, it's the first time since 2014 um, in a pretty convincing manner. Uh, we go eight points clear at the top of the league. Yeah, we have absolutely every right to celebrate in front of our fans who've travelled. And some of them probably paid a lot, a lot of money to get there because... Um, the touts that are at the moment that are trying to sell these tickets for extortionate prices. Um, but yeah, no, every right to celebrate. Why not? Um, and it does, it gives that connection between the fans and the players that um, is only going to be to our benefit. Indeed. Right. Let's move on through the slide deck. Uh, Mikel Arteta, just a quick shout manager of the month. Of course, there was that there was this talk of the jinx going into today's game. We've just talked about how Mikel controlled the, um, the sort of post-match handbags, but Thoughts, chaps, on Mikel generally. I mean, we, no one in the Arsenal fan base could have expected us to be in the position that we are this early on this season. I mean, the job that this guy is doing at this club is phenomenal. I'm running out of words for him, James. I don't want it to end. In fact, I'm scared that one day he's going to leave. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to wake up from this dream. I don't want it to, don't want it to come to an end. I mean, I love everything about this guy, the way he carries himself the way he is emotional on the touchline, the way he talks before and post-match. I think I'm in love, James. Yeah, it is. It's it's surreal. And I think something that's really, really nice is the fact that we deserve this and the board deserve this for sticking with him. Uh, and I think he will appreciate that so much. And he knows that there were times where he, for every right, could have been sacked. 
Um, and the board trusted him and said, look, we trust you. And he himself, he, uh, he in interviews, he said he looked himself and thought, was he the right man for the job? And then um, the club said, no, 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 we've seen, we've seen how people have spoken about you. We, we've seen your project. We trust you. We will give you the resources. And he's not had that much resources. Compare it to Guardiola City. Compare it to um, Potter's Chelsea, who are now spending 450 million with Potter in charge. And Arteta's got 7 million worth of attacking in this team. No player in the team was worth more than, cost more than 50 million today. That's, that's ridiculous. We've got absolutely no right to be in the position we're in. Um, and yet he continues to deliver. And I do hope that we do give him the resources in January to get this over the line because currently this starting 11 is strong enough, but an injury to any of our attackers could cause us real trouble, especially considering we have Europa League for the rest of the season, which at this point we might as well just bin. <laughs> Uh, J-Dub in the chat says we're back Arsenal are back Tom he's fantastic suspect, suspect he will leave eventually most likely for Barca at some point but for now let's lap it up I'm not so sure you know Tom I think this guy's had an education away from Barcelona in the sort of British Isles if you like for for many many years and I think he considers the UK his home and I think Arsenal certainly uh, from a football perspective but you, you, you're right you never know Ask Queef says Arteta is Mr. Arsenal now Tezzy my Arteta FC I'm with you FK I need a lifetime contract uh, and the last one back with Isania Arteta is an Arsenal hero on and off the pitch I love him Right, uh, let's move on. And next up, it is, of course, the league table. London is red, ladies and gents, tonight, as you can see on that league table there on the right-hand side, courtesy of my good friend Sam, now underscore Arsenal. We are top. And we have 18 games played. We have a goal difference that matches Manchester City, who have spent all that money, who have got Erling Haaland, who have got Julio Alvarez, and so many other players in that midfield. And we are eight points clear. Yem, you're sat down, you're breathing calmly. Are you getting carried away? No, we are. This is what's brought. No, this is what's brought us to the party. We are not getting carried away. We understand each game. We understand what we, you know, we've got. We've got areas to address. But each game, each challenge that's being put in front of us, we have come through. Next weekend is a big challenge. It's a bigger one than Tottenham because Manchester United, no matter how much we say it, are actually performing very well. They have a good team and they beat us. Doesn't matter if we, you know, what excuses we can give, they beat us. They have a team full of pace, which t which Tottenham did not have. It's a different challenge. It's a big one. We have got big games coming still. We've still got to go to Anfield. We've still got to go to we've still got to go to this to the Etihad. We've still got to get St. James Park. Let's not get carried away. We are that we are there and we have done so well. Eight points clear of a Manchester City team that has won, you know, so many titles, that has added probably the striker, is phenomenal. And it's just maintaining that consistency. We do have to add. I think we all realise that we cannot survive this season competing in this way without some additions. You know, it, it, we, we've... We'll talk about this in just a sec, but James, can I just come to you about this chat that's just come up? Matt Dykes made a really interesting point, thought-provoking one. All the pressure is on City. City. All of it. I mean, at this stage, is the pressure on Arsenal to maintain this gap and to keep running away? Or is the pressure on the high expectations of a club like Manchester City who have spent so handsomely and have won the Premier League four times in five years? I think we're incredibly lucky with the position we're in. Um, and I think people like Gary Neville, who says Arsenal will finish third, uh, doing his favours 
Um, because really, everyone still calls us underdogs. Everyone still says, we don't deserve to be in the position we're in. So we say, fine, we'll take every game as it comes. There is no pressure on us. This is Man City's title to win, of course. Yeah, you, you have to keep winning your games. They're going to drop points as well. People worry about, oh, what if we drop points here? What if we drop points there? They've shown recently, everyone said, oh, after December, Man City are immaculate. They're not going to lose a single game. They've already shown that they can lose games. They've already shown problems with um, the new structure now that they rely so much on one man to score. When he doesn't score, when you cut off the supply line to him, they look a bit blunt at times. And I think Arsenal are a team that don't rely on one player as much as that, as City have in previous seasons where they were a combined team and a combined asset where you couldn't take one player out and stop him. Um, Saka got injured, Reese Nelson came in and we were still decent. He's probably, Saka or Odegaard are probably our most important players, but Fabio Vieira has shown... I'd, say part, I'd actually say party. You take party out of that yes. team, it is, it yes. is it's scary actually how bad we look with, with El Nini. actually the one game this season that we did lose, he wasn't starting against United. And I think we would be unbeaten this season had he played that game against United. Um yeah, I think I think we're in a good position, and um, we do we absolutely need reinforcements. Um, and I'm very very glad that Saka and Saliba didn't get a yellow card today. Uh, oh yeah, that was, was a, that's a massive that's a massive one. You know, that's another aspect to add that Arteta probably knew that, and he didn't tell them to steam him. Chat. We didn't, you know, we we pressed, but we didn't like we weren't down their throats. We were measured because I think he knew. Look, we've got some issues disciplinary wise that we've got to avoid. And um, United United have Palace away midweek and either they play Casemiro, who's at, who's on four yellow cards and he could quite easily get a fifth and miss the Arsenal game, or they don't play and they rest him and they may be underestimating a Palace side away from home who um could cause some troubles, especially without Casemiro, who's been one of their best players. Palace are very unpredictable. But the one thing that you know about Patrick Vieira is that he's going to want to stick one into United this week. So, yeah, Crystal Palace will host Manchester United on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Manchester City host Spurs. Now, chaps, just before we sort of end and uh, look at one more slide after this, which will be transfers in January, because there's a couple of questions about that. Um, do we have any hope of Spurs, who, to be fair, have taken points off City very, very recently, very, very uh, often? Any any chance of uh, Spurs going to City and winning? They're unpredictable. They're really unpredictable. Do you know what the problem is? That they could actually, but their defence is so poor. I mean, defensively, you know, they're such a mess. Even today, it's just unbelievable. But, but this City team is very, as James said, they, they are very different. I'm not sure that... that if you if you get our Haaland out of the game, if you mark him out of the game, they have nothing really. Everything is focused towards getting it into Haaland. If that reliance, if you take out that piece, then they do struggle. They struggled against, you know, this weekend against Man United. They struggled in the FA Cup against Southampton in the League Cup against Southampton. It, there is they're not the same. There's not the same aura of invincibility as there once was around the City team. So I still don't think they'll I still think City will beat Tottenham. I think they're just on the slide at the moment. I think confidence is low in that Spurs team. They just don't look like they're they're really up for it. But stranger things have happened. 
Um, I, I, what I'll say is, I think Pep has built this City team to win the Champions League. I think that's his big focus this year. Um, for obvious reasons, he's he's won enough Premier Leagues. Champions League is what they're going for. And a player like Haaland, Champions League is far more about transition. They need a player. In previous years, they've not been able to finish the champion, finish their chances in the Champions League and it's cost them. Pep knows that if Haaland does get the chances, he'll finish them. I think that's why he's built the squad in this way. But in the league over a 38-game season, I don't think it's as well suited to their team like they had before. Uh, and no, I think City will batter Spurs midweek as well. Xander says City will be falling up at half-time. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Um, we have one more slide, I believe, guys, before we round up. And that is, of course, TikTok or TikTok, as people say. There we have Mihailo Mudrik, uh, so happy and ecstatic to be at Chelsea, as you can see there. Um, James, how do you see this one? Because the quote on the right-hand side, courtesy of The Athletic, is Mikel Arteta speaking to Sky Sports, where he says, we always want to improve the squad, because he was asked, Jeff, Jeff asked him about, you know, you, you missed out, Chelsea have basically pipped you. But he said that the club is the first one that is doing everything we can to improve the players, but we have to have some discipline with regard to the transfer market. You can't just go and go neck for, you know, toe to toe with Chelsea because they're only just going to outbid you. First of all, James, how did you feel after this move, I guess, collapsed and we withdrew, whatever you want to describe it? And second of all, where does it leave us now? I was I was emotional. Um and made a few tweets that not 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 nothing too bad, but a little bit a little bit that I didn't agree with a few few hours later after I thought about it more. Uh, I think he would have been incredible for us. I think he suits exactly what we need, and I think you are paying a lot for potential, which you don't get straight away. Um, but he is right, and a few weeks ago we saw I saw a report from Ben Jacobs who said. Um, Basically, there's a there's a limit to how much we're going to pay for Mudrick. Um, Shakhtar wanted a hundred million. We were never we were not willing to go that far. We weren't going to take be taken for a dance by them. So we said, okay, it's about. I think it it was what ninety ninety five with add-ons, but the debate about which of our add-ons were actually realistic is a bit of a different story. Um, and we said, okay, this is about as far as we'll go. And then Chelsea came in and said, oh, we'll pay all, we'll pay all, because they don't really have a, a transfer strategy at the moment. Todd Bowley just wants to show everyone that he's the man. Um, good luck to, good luck to them. Um, I don't think it's going to work for them because they're not doing their due diligence about how these players are going to function in a the system. They're just buying players for the big names and um, to try and make a power play. Uh, he's been signed on an eight and a half year contract, which is baffling to me. Um, could be seen as a good thing, I think. It's... No, but that's the, that's to get around FFP. Effectively, they're they're amortizing his fee against eight eight years. So you know the hundred million total spread over eight years on the books will look better than a five year deal. But it's ridiculous because you've now set a precedent for any yes. other players that they want to buy. I want an eight year deal. Give me an absolutely, eight year deal. Absolutely, and also they're putting themselves at risk. All these amortization fees. Okay, it's only ten million a season now. It's only it will go down as 30, 30 million for these three years um, for the financial fair play. But if they keep doing this, then in three years' time, when they go into a transfer window, well, you can take out thirty million of the budget because it's already on Mudrick. So, um, it yeah, we've we've trusted Arteta and Adu so far. A lot of people have been upset previously, missing out on Vlaovic, missing out on Martinez. 
We came in, got Gabriel Jesus, Scott Zinchenko. So I think, I don't think we can afford to do what we did last January and not sign a player. I know eventually it worked out with Jesus, but the stakes are too high this time. Last season, you could say, look, in the long term, the project is still going to go up. If we miss out on top four, it's not the end of the world. This is a huge, huge opportunity to win the title. So I think not signing an attacker would be a big, big problem. And ideally, for me, we sign someone who can play both sides because um, Saka can't play every game, obviously. And that was a question I had about Mudrick. He was more of a left winger um, than a right wing. He's never really played as a right winger. So I, I did wonder who was going to help Saka out with minutes. Yeah, but I've got a question problem. for you. Go on, Yem. Yeah. Hmm. No, the, the, the thing with the Mudrick deal was, as, as James said, we had a set limit, especially on the wages. The moment they offered him 200k a week almost 200k total we were never going to match that because it's it's a you're setting a precedent then for the saka saliba you know martinelli deals and you don't want to stabilize a squad that you know with all this talk this is the problem in the chelsea squad now because they already know and they because it's been very visible they're not sure that it, as james said it's a power play but you're doing it in in broad daylight everyone in that squad who comes in now will say, I want 200k because he's not as good as me. I want more than that. I want 350. So you've made a rod for your own back by being so open about it and jumping to a level which, look, he's a good player, but is he already 200k's worth? He already and accepted a contract from us. He can't he accepted a contract from us for what, 30, you know, 50 to 70 odd, I think it was. So it makes no sense. They've also set a precedent for teams that they're going to negotiate with because any team they're negotiating with will say, no, you can you can pay the full fee. And if you don't, if you're not paying the full fee, you can go away like they did with Enzo Fernandez. And then who else can we pay the full fee for? But the thing, the, the problem I have with this deal is that there is a bit of a smell, a whiff of it. They weren't, <laughs> Shakhtar were never going to deal with us. Look at Dario Serna was with Mudrick today at the unveiling. Shakhtar have been listing Chelsea doing this, doing that. You would never see that from any other club, that kind of handshaking, etc. It just doesn't make any sense. And then there's obviously the, the involvement of certain influencers on the net around the deal. It just There's, there's just been this underlying tone of something that I I don't think we... I think we were getting a bit irate with, and I do understand why we, we said, look... If they come in and they've offered this much, that's it. I don't. I, I don't want to get involved with this. And I, I think I applaud it. To be honest, I, I want players, but there's a limit to how how far we go with this thing. We have we have strong morals when it comes to transfer market. And put it this way: we were talking about earlier. We were staring at a lineup that we've built and said this is a beautifully built squad. So why are the same people then blaming the club for not signing certain players? Be patient. Again. If we don't sign someone by the end of January, then I think there's a serious problem. But I have faith that we will sign someone for half of the fee, the Mudrick fee, and then we'll maybe even have some spare to sign a right back, Ivan Fresneda, who's supposed to be an excellent player. So um, let's see what happens. That was a, a vast amount of money to sign someone who wasn't even necessarily starting for us. Um, but Chelsea have said, oh, God, here's all the money. We'll, we'll start you like cowboys. And... It um, they don't really know what they're doing, in my opinion. It, do you know what? I said this even when we were favourites to sign him. £80 million at the time, or €80 million Euros at the time, is an absurd amount of money for a guy who's got 30 club games to his name. 
in a league that's ranked 16th in the UEFA coefficients. It's just a mind-blowing amount of money. Uh, I'm going to just bring up a, a comment here from my Ukrainian friend, Bohdan Solanko, who's obviously come on the post-match phone-ins before. It, it just feels like he was basically forced to sign for Chelsea because they just basically splurged more money. He was desperate I, I, to I'm going to counter that. League, I'm going to counter that slightly. I'm going to counter that slightly. If he truly wanted the move to Arsenal, because players have done it in the past, look at Rafinha, you know, what he did. They held out for a lower fee because Barcelona weren't going to pay what we were or Chelsea were. If he truly wanted us, he wouldn't be twerking on Instagram. He would have said to Shakhtar, deal with Arsenal. It came down to money. And I'm sorry, he, the, the noise may have been that he wanted us, but I don't believe it in the end. I think he just wanted to get out of the club to somewhere else. And the first, you know, the one who paid the most money got it. it money talked in the end. I don't think he, I don't think he cared where he went. It, it, reports, but, reports did say that he said, "Are Arsenal still interested?" And and, and Shakhtar said, uh, "No." Arsenal but, pulled out. Either you're going to Chelsea or you'll stay till summer. You're right. He could have maybe gone on strike, um, but he could have pushed a bit. No, but he could have pushed a bit harder. There's levels to this that you, you know, that he makes I'm it very sure. clear. I, I'm I, not no. sure. I don't think he could have pushed it harder. I think Shakhtar were just desperate him, for the money. Yem, do you blame him? That that is, he's. I worked out earlier. He's guaranteed fifty-five million. No, no, of course not. Look, if you're in that same position, you, you and someone's offering you stupid money, why the hell not? Because there's no other way out. But the fact is, is that if if he truly wanted to, you know, the talk is he wants to be a Ballon d'Or level player. Let's be very honest with right now, and I'm saying this with no foresight or anything like that. Will he do it at Chelsea in the current state they're in with a manager like Potter who is decent, but Arteta would have... Yeah, it's impossible to say, isn't it? It's impossible to say because you don't don't know where Chelsea are going to be in two, three years' time. The spending that they're doing is unprecedented, even for them, and that's, yeah, what was it, £500 million in this one one six-month period or whatever it is. It's ridiculous. I was going to ask a question, and we'll end the show on this, but James... At what stage do Arsenal get desperate enough, right? Knowing the unique situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, how many times can you, do you think we're going to be in this position in, let's say, the next five seasons where we're eight points clear of our nearest rivals at the halfway stage, right? At what stage do we get desperate? And perhaps, and sorry to pick on Igro, go for someone like Azaha, who doesn't fit the profile of, of squad in terms of age, in terms of career development so far. But he is someone whose contract runs out. He's Premier League proven. Could he do a job for six, 18 months? I don't know. But at what stage do we just think, right, we've got 50, 60 million pounds that we were going to pay for Madrid of a 85, 90 million pound deal in payments or whatever. When do we use that 50, 60 in the next couple of weeks and just, just go for it? I think there are too many available, better options that are at the age bracket that we like than to go for a player like Zaha. I think we could sign a player who maybe the instant impact is a tiny, tiny bit less, but that's a player who you can get five years out of rather than Zaha, who doesn't fit at all where the project is going. And I think I've heard a lot, a lot of people mention Trossard. Uh, I think we should really steer clear of that. That's a player who was told he wasn't starting and got the Eurostar home. Is that not very big warning flags? Send him to Tottenham, send him to Chelsea. That's not a player we want at our club. Um, I also think he's not quite the player that people think he is. Um, he's a good player, but I don't think we should be looking there. I think if Rafinha does want out of Barcelona, I know he didn't. He, yeah. he, we he weren't just said this evening, 
he just said this evening he wants to stay at Barca because they just won the Copa del Rey, didn't they? And they've um, really. But I will mention another name, Ferran Torres. I know not many people are behind him, but Arteta loves him. Loves him. Plays across the front three. Is versatile. Knows the Premier League. We don't need. I, it. We you don't need special. You need someone who is going to be able to come, fill in the gaps, and he does. And we, I think we need to look at players who would you trust putting them in the Europa League quarterfinals? Would would you even trust putting them in the Europa League semifinals? A player like Fran Torres, I think yes, I would. He he's played for Man City in very high stakes games. Um, he played for Spain at the World Cup. I think he's a player that, yeah, definitely, as you say, is able to play across the front three, is versatile, has the quality, used to Arteta. So when you say, if we get desperate, Faisal, I think that's where the desperation goes. Maybe we pay five, five million euros more than we want to get a player like him, as opposed to getting a player mm-hmm. like Zaha, who then we look at and think, shit, we need to get him off our hands next season. because Our, big pro- our biggest problem, just to finish this off, is we have made the rod for our own back as well. Everyone knows now we have 95 million that we can potentially spend out. And that obviously inflates any transfer fee that we go in for because people know, obviously, that we have bid that much. You're right, but the adverse is that people know that we have limits to what we'll spend, that we're not going to get taken for a dance and that um, we always have a plan B and we're not afraid to do that. So if a club's going to say, we'll say no. I forgot one name. I forgot one name I would love. And I know it's he's available. There is rumours he's available. Ansu Fati. If we got that boy, that's a difference maker in, in yeah. so many ways. Of course, of course. Well, we shall see. There are a couple of weeks to go. And of course, let's not take our eye off the ball. And that is that Arsenal have beaten Spurs today by two goals to nil. And we are now eight points clear at the top of the league. A couple of final chats that I want to just get uh, mentioning. Fahad Al-Rahbani says, wow, 800 viewers live. Congratulations on your achievement. Now your growth will be exponential as I was here since 50 viewers. Fahad. Thank you for your loyal support. Thanks also for your kind message. And there are hundreds of you, almost a thousand of you watching live right now. Please do drop a like on the video. It helps the channel immensely. All it takes is just clicking that like button. Subscribe if you're new. Really appreciate that. uh, And you won't miss any of the content. This week, we will have a post-match breakdown with Charles Watts at Tuesday lunchtime, just to kind of look back from a journalist perspective of today's game. We will have a um, special why Arteta's football is working so well in the week with Rohan Jivan. Most of you will know him. He is a blogger and serial tweeter. And then just before the weekend, we will do a late night latte that previews the Manchester United game. So Fahad, thanks for that chat. And Igro also back in the chat says, by the way, I can't get your podcast to work on Spotify. Not sure if everyone else has experienced this. Um, no, it should be working on Spotify just fine. It normally takes a couple of days for the, uh, the show's to go live on Spotify. Uh, The post-match phone-ins that we do on Twitter will go on Spotify tonight as well. And final, 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 uh, our USP, if you like, Dale says, slide deck, epic, nice touch, makes Latte Farm a... Latte Farm? Latte Farm, must watch. Thanks, mate. Latte Farm, that could be the the rebrand that we all... uh, that we all didn't realize we needed. Right, Pega says, yeah, Rohan the legend. He will be in on Thursday. Absolutely right. Astro Il Magnifico. Love the latte firm. Thank you so much. Uh, if anybody wants to follow James, he is on Twitter at AFCJXMES. James, thank you very much, my friend. Have a great week. And if anybody wants to follow Yem, he is at Verge59. Thank you, Yem Ballet. Really appreciate that. 
There you have it, ladies and gents. Hour and 20 minutes in. We are top of the league, eight points clear. We've beaten the scum, six points out of six. It was never in doubt, was it? Until next time. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.